Our text today, what it's about is about desires. It's about want. It's about what we're following after. It's about feeling content. And it's about the good life. Today, it's all about understanding this adventure of Christianity. And listen, it's a call to abandon everything and follow Jesus. So we're about halfway through our series called Dawn. Dawn means the first appearance of light, and we're looking at the first appearances of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And today we're looking at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. So I'm going to read that for you. It's going to be up on the screen so you can follow along. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. They're having a lot of fun. (laughs) I feel bad for you. You should be in there. Okay, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had, said, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip then found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one in whom the prophets wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, how can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Three questions we're going to see answered today. Here's the three questions. Why do you want? Why don't you have what you want? And how do you get what you want? Why do you want, why don't you have what you want, and how do you get what you want? So the first one, and this first question, why do you want, I want to start with this question for you. Why do you think that you aren't happy? I mean, completely happy. And do you know the answer to that question? Because the Bible gives a very, very confident answer as to why you aren't happy. And here's what the Bible says. You aren't completely happy Because you aren't with God. 
Your deepest desire for you and for your loved ones is the good life. And what the Bible is saying, the good life is the kingdom of God is where the good life is. That is where God is. That is what you want. That's where you want to be. It's heaven. You want because you aren't in heaven. C.S. Lewis says you have desires that nothing in this world can satisfy. Why? Because you're made for another world, and that world is heaven. And here's what the Bible says. Something long ago happened that explains why you want. It explains why you aren't fully happy, why you don't always feel like you have a life that matters, and it's called the fall. And here's what happened in the fall. Humanity was with God. Things were as they should be. Life was as it should be. Humanity was happy, content. They were living the good life. Everything that they desired was God, and then they had God right there with them. St. Augustine says that happiness is to continue to desire what one possesses. And that's what humanity had with God. But then here's what happened. Humanity began to desire something more than they desired God. And it led them to just disobey God. It led them to run from him. They went into hiding. And so Jesus sought them out. And he says, where are you? And they went into hiding more and they ran more. God came to be with them and they ran from him. And what happened is it thrust them into this world that was at war, this world of where good and evil are, are battling each other in a way. The, here's what the apple represents. The apple represents a desire to be away from God. It represents a desire for something more than a desire for God. Today, when we look at these Bible verses, I, so I'm looking at these Bible verses, I'm reading through them, and they've absolutely blown my mind. So John, if you read John, the more you read him, the more you start to see that in the Gospel of John, there's always a deeper meaning behind what he's saying. And today, you see the genius of John and what John is doing. What we arrive at today are the first words of Jesus in John. Jesus has not spoke up until this point, and here we see his first words, and don't think these first words are on accident by John, and here's what the first words are. Jesus says, what do you want? The disciples come and they start following him, and he says, what do you want? In other words, do you still want the apple? Do you still desire something more than God? And they say, where are you staying? In other words, we want to be with you now. We want to come with you. We want to be with you. And he says, well, then come and follow me. Here's what we got to get about humanity. Humanity will never go to Jesus until we are desperate. We're never going to really want him until we have found that the things in this world are not going to satisfy us like he will. 
So in Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes, he's this very wise person, and he's got a lot of money, so he's experienced everything. He says, I've experienced absolutely everything under the sun, and I am still not satisfied because he's desiring something that is outside of this world. The sign that you're ready to follow Jesus is that you have come to the conclusion that there's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy you like he will. You finally come to the conclusion that you have longings for happiness and this world is not delivering for you. And so then you begin this great reversal. This is the great reversal that John's talking about where you start to adventure back to God. In the movie The Matrix, Neo is completely discontent with his life. He's searching, he knows something's missing, and he can't figure it out. He's unhappy, and he's feeling like he has a life that does not have any meaning to it. Nothing seems to matter to him. And then he meets this guy named Morpheus, and Morpheus says, you can take the blue pill, and if you take the blue pill, you just go back to your nice, comfortable life, and you're just going to be happy. Well, you're not going to be happy, but you're going to go back to your comfortable life. He says, but if you take the red pill then your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to then understand why you haven't been happy, why you've been discontent and why you have felt like your life does not matter. In a sense, what Morpheus is saying is come and see. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, are you unhappy in life? Well, come and see, come and see me. He's saying, are you discontent with how things are going? Do you feel like you're playing in mud puddles when you desire this ocean? He's saying, well, come and see. See what he has to offer you. And so notice the disciples at first. Here's what they do. They say, teacher. They call him teacher. At first, they just think he's a teacher when they come and see him. And by the end of John, they're declaring him Lord, and they're declaring him Savior of the entire world. But at first, they just see him as a teacher. And he just says, come and see. Come and follow me. See what I'm all about. And it's the same thing that's true for us. When we begin this adventure of Christianity, we start with just coming to see who Jesus is. And as we walk closer and closer to him, we begin to see that he's far greater than what we thought. That he's the savior of the world, that he is Lord. But it first begins with these words, come and see. He's saying, come see if I'm worthy. Come see if I'm glorious enough to follow. He's saying, come out of hiding. Stop running from me. Come on this adventure back towards God with me. Some of you have been unhappy because you're just, you you don't want to follow him. And some of you have been Christians for a long time but you're not feeling like your life is really mattering. And it's because you're scared to take the risk of truly following him. 
You've been falling further and further behind, and you're paralyzed out of a life that matters because the risk seems too great to follow him. What I hope you're seeing is that there's a difference between believing in Jesus and following him. So this is our second point. Why don't you have what you want? Jesus says, come and follow me. The disciples don't just believe, but they begin this journey of following him. Jesus is saying, what do you want? Do you want me? Well, prove it. Then come and follow me. He's saying, be my disciple. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower. He's saying, let me teach you. Come and learn from me. Lean on me. Be my student. Leave this old life behind and take up this new one. He's saying, the only way for you to get what you want is to come and follow me. Adam and Eve desired something more than they desired God, and and that stole happiness from them. Jesus is saying, come back. Come back to me. What does it mean? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, stop going after creation and go back, go to creator. It's go to the creator himself. And Christianity doesn't say, listen, Christianity gets a bad rap. A lot of people say, oh, Christianity, it's all about, you know, diminishing your desires. And that's not it at all. Christianity is celebrating your desires. It's saying, have desires. Desires are a good thing. The problem is you are desiring things that are too small. You're satisfied with something that is less than God. Don't go after creation. Go after the creator himself. So what does it mean? Listen, listen, listen. What does it mean to desire Christ and follow him? It means to obey him. So because Adam and Eve, this is all about desire. This is all about, because Adam and Eve didn't desire God, they disobeyed him. Jesus is saying, if you really want to be with me, you will follow me. And to follow me means to obey me. So here's what you have to know. This is so important. Listen, whatever you think will make you happy, that's going to be what you follow, and that's going to be what you obey. So watch this. Let me ask you this question, and you got to answer it honestly. If you could have anything right now, absolutely anything, anything that you want, what would it be? Whatever that answer was, that's what you're following, and that's what you're obeying. That's the deepest desire of your heart, and that's guiding all of the decisions in your life. In the story of the rich young ruler, Jesus, this, this rich young ruler comes and meets Jesus, and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically says to him, Love others. And he says, I've done that. And you know Jesus, he's kind of setting them up. And so Jesus says, okay, well, if, if you want to follow me, sell everything you have, give all their money to the poor, and come and follow me. And he can't do it. And what Jesus is saying to him is this. He's, he's saying that you don't really love others. You just think by being nice and good to others that you're going to get richer. Listen, so often people 
are nice, but they're nice because of what they want. They want money, and so they think if they're nice to people, they're going to get more money. They want to be successful, and there's a rule to being successful. You've got to treat other people well, or you won't be successful. But I'm going to tell you, you strip that success away from somebody, and they're not going to be so nice anymore. Or image. You know, I'm going to pick on politicians because politicians are easy, easy to pick on here. So a politician, they just want to be elected. And so they're going to tell you what you want to hear, and they're going to treat you in a certain way so that you say, wow, I like that person. I'm going to vote for them. But you strip that away from them, and you might be, get, you might be getting treated a little bit different. Um, only, only when you follow Jesus can absolutely everything fall apart and you are still happy because you are with him and he is enough. Only when you follow Jesus can you lose everything but still live a life that feels like it matters because you're following him and he's following you into places where you're loving people more and more. So if you think having Mr. Right or Mrs. Right in your life is, the, is this picture of the good life, then what you're going to do is all your decisions are going to be based off of, how do I get Mr. or Mrs. Right? And you're going to start obeying the rules that are needed to do that. If you think having this perfect family is, is the picture of the good life, what you're going to do is you're going to follow all the rules that are necessary to get this perfect family and this good life. And so you're going to, that's what you're obeying. That's what you're following. So here's what happens, parents. If you make your children your everything, you won't be able to lead them because you're actually following them. Husbands, if you make, if God is not your everything, then, and you make your, your family your everything, you're never going to lead your family well because you're following them. You're not leading them. Here's the test about what you're following. If you're following God, I guess. Is your life saying, God, tell me what to do, or is it saying, God, don't tell me what to do? And you have to look at how you're treating the Bible. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'll be provocative here, okay? So the Bible says, sex is a beautiful desire, and it's a desire that is meant to be experienced inside of the context of a committed marriage. Yeah, well, you're married. That's why you're saying yeah. So um, here's what happens. So, you know, you're following Jesus with like 100 people, and you're following, you're like, this is great, this is great. And then he says, don't do that. And you're like, oh. And you start kind of like, okay, I'm making a tiptoe out of here. I don't think Jesus is going to see this. And you're kind of like, you're trying to bail on it. Um, And, you know, the, the funny thing is, that nobody seems to see that until they're married. And they're like, you know, oh, man, I made a mistake. I'm a, I don't want my kids to be like that. So don't make the mistake that we made or, you know, somebody else. Don't make the mistake we made. We didn't know about that. But, you know, you do now. So, and it's just funny how it's so convenient when 
you arrive at these things in the Bible, oh, okay, this is a good time to, to like this. Um, so, uh, <laughs> whoops, <That's, laughs> I heard that. Um, uh, here, here's another thing. So I'm being provocative here. Um, God says to tithe. To tithe means to give 10% of your income back to God. And you hear that and you kind of like want to throw up in your mouth a little bit. And here's why. Because you're feeling like you're losing control. And you're like, oh man, I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to tiptoe out of here. I was following Jesus with all these people, but now, you know, he's up in the ante here and I don't know if he's worth it. I don't know if he's my, really my prize. I don't know if he's really my treasure. Jesus is saying, whatever you want most in life, that's what you're going to obey. Well, then he says, okay, love one another as you love yourself. And you're like, okay, I like that one. That's a good one. I can deal with that one. And then he says, okay, good. Well, your friend over here, he's struggling. And he needs like five hours of your time right now. Or your friend over here struggling financially. He needs some help. Or he just needs to fix something at his house. And you're like, oh, man, I'm busy. I'm ready to get out of here. And you start kind of tiptoeing back. Um, to follow him means that he is enough. He's your prize. And he's going to take you places where you wouldn't go without him. And look, if I'm saying all this stuff and you're saying, man, this is a real bummer. I don't want to really hear this, this stuff. You're missing the point of Christianity because the point of Christianity is you are running into a life that's going to fulfill you more and more and give you more and more happiness. This stage is so... So here's what happens. You start following him and you realize that he is the prize. And you realize that you are his prize. And then what you find is that he's got this life made for you, for you to live, that is the life that you were meant for. And you start to realize he knows better how I ought to live than I do myself. If he's God and I'm following him. If you believe that. You, he takes you into places where you start feeling like, man, my life is really mattering. And we're going to get to why that is in a second. So the last question is, how do you get what you want? How do you get what you want? And you say, well, that sounds selfish now. Well, remember, we are creatures of want. We're creatures of desire. The problem is when we want the wrong thing. When we make Christ our greatest want, it strips us of selfishness. But if, we're, if he isn't our greatest want, then we find that we're selfish. Here's, here's all I'm saying here. Here's, here's what I'm... Okay, try this on. We need to be the ultimate of hedonists. We need to seek the ultimate pleasure. And what I'm saying is if we desire the greatest pleasure in the world, it's going to take us straight to God. And what it's going to do is take us straight past the pleasures of this world, straight into the arms of the living God, into heaven, where Christ is. And we're looking at him and we're saying, you are my prize. You are giving me something that nothing else in this world can give me. And we become satisfied with him. And then what happens is we actually get to enjoy the things of this world more because we are 
we're satisfied in him and we don't have to get from them ultimate purpose, ultimate value, ultimate identity, but we have it in him and so we can enjoy the things of the world. We can now enjoy our family instead of trying to get them to be God to us. We can enjoy everything more. Okay, so how do you make him your ultimate pleasure, your ultimate joy? The answer is you don't. He comes to you. He comes to get you, and he grabs you, and he says, come on, let's go, follow me. Jesus says in verse 51 that when you're following him, you're going to see some amazing things, but the absolute most amazing thing that you will see is you're going to see heaven open up, and you're going to see angels ascending and descending on him. So remember, we said the good life, the life of contentment, the life of joy, eternal happiness, peace, it isn't found in a path, but in a person. And here's why. The place where you long for is heaven because God is there. And Jesus is saying, I'm the way there. Later on in John, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What he's saying is that this isn't about a path, it's about me, a person. Adam and Eve ran from him. They went into hiding. And Jesus is saying, come out of hiding and follow me. I'm bringing about a reversal if you will just come with me. So let's say that you're, you're blind. You're a blind person. Here's basically... What every other religion is saying is, okay, you're blind. Here's some car keys, and here's a map. Go drive to your eternal home. It doesn't work. But what Jesus is saying is that he's coming for you, and he comes, and he gets you, and he grabs you, and he says, come on, we're going to go home. And if anyone right now starts singing, Jesus, take the wheel, I'm going to gag. Um. You say, okay, you say now, well, isn't this offensive to say that Jesus is the only way? And I say, well, maybe, but that's not the question. The question is whether or not it's true. Sometimes people say, um, what about people who've never heard about Jesus? And, and that's the right question to ask, but it's not the first question. The first question is, what do you make of him? Do you want him? And if you do, then that next question, now what are we going to do about the people who don't know him? And you take up the calling that the disciples had where it was a joy for them to go and talk about who Jesus is and it gave them a life that mattered because they saw themselves as ushering people up into heaven to be with God, to be in eternal happiness with him. I mean, this is talking, talk about if that is really what Christianity is saying, and that's what God is calling us to, you want a life that matters, that's right there for you to take, if you believe it's true. And you know what? The truth is, we will never follow him until we see how 
he opened up the heavens. You won't want him until you see how he opened up the heavens. If you have something that, you know, something that you want, and maybe the Bible's calling it sin, let's say, you've got this sin right in front of you and you want it, you desire it. The only thing that's going to steal you away from that is a greater want and desire for Christ, who will you, by following him, it will turn you away from that thing, whatever it is, and it will turn you towards him. And you're never going to turn towards him until you see how he opened up the heavens. And so here's how. Happiness and a life that mattered kissed in Jesus Christ on the cross. It was a joy for him to suffer for you. He saw it as a joy. There's a place right before Jesus is arrested, right before he goes to the cross where he's praying to the Father. And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. And what's happening here is Jesus is experiencing this great temptation where the Father is saying, do you really want them? Do you really want them back? What do you want? Do you want them? And he says, yes, I do. And so he says, your will be done, Father, not mine, but your will be done. He says in perfect obedience, your will be done. Let's get him back. We ran from him, but Jesus obediently chased us down like the hound of heaven. We disobeyed the father and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. On the cross, he goes through hell to bring you into heaven. See, it talks about this in Matthew. When Jesus dies, there's this curtain or this veil between us and heaven. And when he dies, the veil or the curtain is torn in two and the heavens are opened up. He did that for you. He wanted you so bad that he passed through hell to get you. He wanted you so bad that he said, the grave is worth it. And so he went through it for you. He suffered for you. That's the kind of God that Christianity is talking about. Not a God that says, there's a path over there, good luck. But a God who says, who says I'm coming for you, and I'm coming to get you. And he grabs you, and he pulls you into happiness, even if you are kicking and screaming along the way, because he wants you that bad, and he's not going to let you go. And so he pulls you in, and he pulls you, and he pulls you in to heaven, and that is the place where every, every dream, every fairy tale becomes a fact, where we live happily ever after. That's our Savior. That's why people call him Lord. Let's pray. God, help us to believe this is true. God, as we're running from you, as we're wanting things that are not you, we pray that you would come and chase us down.
Don't let us win our run from you. We want you to win, God. So come and get us. Teach us. Help us. Guide us. But most of all, show us all the reasons why you ought to be our greatest desire, our greatest prize, our greatest treasure, and our greatest want. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.